I want to open up with prayer. Uh, today, I'm, I'm excited about what I'm going to share today. I feel like it's something particular that God put on my heart, and uh, I especially want wisdom to say it right. So here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I just thank you for every person uh, that is hearing uh, this message, both those who are here in person and those who are at home, those who are watching it right now and those who will be watching and listening later. Lord, we just pray your blessing on them. We ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken uh, the words that are yours uh, to our hearts and apply them where they belong. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I felt particularly led to, to talk about tonight's topic. Um, and I'll just give you my, my springboard verse, and then you'll know where we're going. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says the following. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So, we are in unique times. We all realize it. Right now, uh, we're going through something that probably our kids and our grandkids will ask us about. What was it like when you went through the COVID-19 and the, the first, hopefully the last, but at least the first global pandemic for the entire world to react together to? What was that like? And I recognize that our answers won't be the same. There are people here, people watching at home, uh, well, you're probably not here if this is your answer, but there are people watching at home who will say, I was at home the whole time. There will be others who say, well, my work told me I could work from home, so work became the camper, and we went all over the place, and we spent, you know, the summer going different places. There will be people who uh, respond drastically different, and I recognize that listening to me right now are people on all areas of the spectrum. And so I'm going to be sharing scriptures that talk about, uh, I believe, very applicable principles, biblical principles to what we're going through right now. Some of them will be the favorite verses of those who you don't agree with. Some of them will be your favorite verses. And then we're going to go through and we're going to unpack what the Bible says. So, it's going to, there will be people on either extremes that disagree with me today, and that's fine with me. I'm okay with that. Uh, in fact, I want you to question what I say. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, Now the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. So as we're sharing today... Take notes. Write this stuff down. Go back. I don't care necessarily. Well, I hope. I hope you'll agree. But if you don't agree, I'm okay with that. As long as you were paying attention and reading the Scripture and applying that and examining, is this true? Romans chapter 13. Most of us have heard this Scripture already during the entire COVID situation. And that is, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Verse 5 of the same chapter continues in the same vein, and it says, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. 
So many people have put that out there and they have said, you know what, no matter what gets said by the authorities, I'm following it because I'm following those scriptures. Other people have brought out and said, you know, the authorities don't even agree with each other. The, the one authority is telling me one thing. My sheriff says one thing. My governor says another. The president says another. The constitution might say another. And they say, well, which of the authorities do I follow? Others will go to Acts chapter 5, verse 28. When, uh, and it says this. It says, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us responsible for this man's blood. But Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. And I've, I've heard people saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to obey man. I'm going to obey God. This scripture clearly shows that the disciples didn't obey every law, every time, no matter what. They had to weigh and see whether this law was asking them to disobey God. And they said, when it does, we choose not to. Matthew 12, 10 says, And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take a hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to the Pharisees at the time when they caught a strict law and they said, well, can, you know, the law says you can't do anything that would be work on that day, so you can't even heal someone. And he says, basically, yes. And so these are two sides to the same coin. People will pull out the examples of Daniel in the lion's den, how he disobeyed the decree of the governor uh, of his time that told him not to pray, and he obeyed. So we have two sides to one coin, and there is a balance in the middle. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 13. And tonight we're going to do something, we're going to do kind of an expository study. Sometimes we do topical where we talk, say, about forgiveness and we go throughout the Bible and we pull a lot of places where the Bible talks about it. Tonight we're going to go to two main areas in Scripture and we're going to read them through and then we're going to talk about what they said. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 13 says, Now, about food sacrificed to idols, we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Now, let me give you context when it comes to the food sacrificed to idols. At that time, it was very common for the pagan temples to have uh, meat brought as an offering. And so people would come, they would give their animals to the temple. The temple would take that meat, kill the animal as a sacrifice to some pagan god. And then turn around and sell that meat in the marketplace in case you wanted a burger or a barbecue. And there was a group of Christians who said... You know, we don't think that you should be able to eat that meat because that meat has a spiritual contagion on it. That has been contaminated. And if you bring that meat into your house, you're bringing something that was dedicated to a demon or some false god. And so we can't eat that meat. That meat is contaminated. 
And other Christians said, no, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can eat that meat and any other meat. I, don't do, I just rebuke whatever demonic presence was there, and I'm fine. And there was a big debate between them. Is this invisible contagion something I should avoid? Or is it something that I'm okay to touch? And this is what he says. We all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. I want us to to not forget that verse because God is making a big differentiation here about how we deal with controversial situations, with controversial stances. Within the church, there was a big divide. Do we or don't we? And he says, if you come at it purely informationally, I have superior insight. He said, all you're doing is puffing up. He says, the right approach is an approach filled with love because that builds up. To those who think they know something, do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. Basically, Paul is saying there is something more important than just being right. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that. And here Paul gives his opinion. He says, an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, small g, small l, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, whom, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. So he explains how, in this case, how irrelevant these demonic powers are. But then he makes a point. He says, not everyone has the information that you have. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, their conscience is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. He says, be sure to recognize, look at the whole picture. The issue facing them was eat or don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. I would say we have issue facing us today dividing the church in some cases about a lot of different issues. One that I'll just speak out loud is to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. That is the question. And he pointed out, if he's there, he says, spiritually speaking, we are no worse if we do not eat, no better if we do. He says, keep your eyes on what's important. He says, be careful, however, that the... Now, this is the verse we opened with. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Paul established that in his particular instance, when it came to the the eating of 
of food sacrificed to idols. He said, you know what? There is a right and there's a, there's a wrong, but don't let those who are right become a stumbling block to the others. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge, again, remember what knowledge does. Knowledge puffs up. I don't even need to ask you, but if you have Facebook, you have seen all the knowledge that's out there and these articles that are coming at you saying, well, if you, did you just know? Did you know that this is this and this is that and this is real and this is not and this is fake and this is inflated and this is, isn't? And, and, <laughs> and what does the Bible say? It says that knowledge has a tendency to puff up. He says, for if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? It says, so someone who believes that meat sacrificed to idols is spiritually damaging to them and is not God's will, sees you doing it, won't they be likely to do it? Then it says, so this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound, wound their conscience, you sin against Christ. Notice this. Paul argued and explained how they were right. You are right, he says, to believe that food sacrificed to idols is sacrificed to a non-existent being or a being that has no power However, if by eating it, you convince someone who believed it was wrong to choose to do wrong, you have damaged them. Then he says in verse 13, he says, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall in sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. I've used this illustration before on how can, how can doing the right thing be the wrong thing? How is it that the people who thought it was wrong were wrong when they did it, even though it was right? You follow me? I'm going to give you an example. I have kids. If my wife and I leave the house and we tell our six kids, stay home while we're gone. In fact, how about I phrase it, don't leave the house. And then we leave. One of the kids catches me at the front door and says, Daddy, I know you said we can't leave the house, but can we play in the yard? And I said, well, of course. That's what I meant. The yard is part of the house. You're good. And then I leave. Now, if that kid knows what I really meant, but the other kids don't. And the other kids are fully convinced that when I told them to stay home and stay in the house, they thought they had to stay in the house. And the one kid who knows better goes outside and hangs out in the yard. And they're looking out there from the window thinking, man, I wish I was allowed to be out there. And then they're like, you know what? I know that mom and dad are not going to be home for another two hours. If I go out there for an hour and a half, I'll be good. I know I'm not supposed to, but I think I'm going to do it anyway. And then they go out there. Did they disobey me? 
they, with all the sincerity in their heart, thought they were not supposed to go outside. They chose to do that which they believed with complete sincerity to be wrong, and they did it. Did they disobey? According to Paul, yes. If they believed sincerely that I did not want them to do that and they made the conscious decision, I am going to do what I believe my parents do not want me to do, even though the reality is it was within what I was okay with them doing, they did wrong. And Paul is clarifying that. He says, it is possible to do something right for the wrong reason and therefore be wrong in doing it. so quiet in here. Is it quiet at home too? <laughs> or, or are the kids and the dogs running around? Let's read chapter 14 of Romans, which talks a lot about the same topic. Chapter 14, verse 1. Except the one who's weak in faith without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another person whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. In other words, he stays away from the meat. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. Do you hear that? When there is a division between what you believe as a Christian brother and what another Christian brother believes, it says, you must not treat with contempt the one who who does not do what you do for the reasons you do what you do. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. And then it goes to the other side and it says, oh, and by the way, you who are on the side of caution in this case shouldn't be judging the one who is exercising Freedoms you don't think they ought to exercise. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, the servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their mind. He goes on to apply this to more than just meat. He says, what about the Seventh-day Adventists? And the Jews? And those who practice one day being more special than the others? I want you to notice something. Paul didn't expect every person in the church to be always fully convinced of the exact same thing. That, this, this should be a eureka moment for us. Paul did not expect the entire church to be in full agreement about every issue. Now, I want to make clear something. This is not moral relativism. That doesn't mean what's right for me isn't right for you. No, Paul was clear. There is a right and there is a wrong. But when we don't see those, when we don't agree on which is right and which is wrong, mask or no mask, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? We don't have a unanimous vote. 
he says, that's okay. Be fully convinced. Search the scripture. He says, not all Christians, he didn't expect all Christians to be fully convinced of the same stance on every issue. Now, there are issues, if we disagree on it, we're not even Christians. God, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. That, the Bible is very clear about. I need to believe that. If I don't, I'm not even a Christian. That's the very definition. But there are many issues where he says you won't be in full agreement. But it's okay, and there is a right way to walk together as Christians without being in perfect unity on every single issue. We do not have to be at odds with each other until we both come to a complete unanimous view of everything in every way. Verse 6, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. What he's saying is the person who is avoiding meat sacrificed to idols is doing so for God. You know what? I don't want to, to contaminate myself with something that is contrary to you. And the one who is eating it is doing it because he recognizes greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and I'm totally fine. They're both doing what they're doing because they believe this is what God wants of me. He says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone. God cares about how we act. We are not islands. We need to understand something. Being right isn't the ultimate win. The ultimate win isn't getting to heaven and being like, you know what, God? I had the most biblical doctrine. Because God says, how did you interact with those who didn't have the most biblical doctrine? Because if you were stomping on, treating with contempt those who didn't agree with you, even if you were right, you were wrong. That's what Jesus says. He says, you're not an island. I care about how you interact as much as I care about what you believe. If we live for the Lord, we live, or if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, it is written. God, this is, remember, this isn't talking about us and the world. This isn't talking about 
viewing those who are lost. This is talking about your brothers and sisters who see an issue differently doctrinally than you do. Whether they interpreted whether you can or can't eat food sacrificed to idols, whether one day is more special in the week than another, how to apply the rights and the privileges and the freedoms that Scripture has given to us, that God has won for us. He says, why do you treat them being your own Christian brothers who don't interpret Scripture exactly the same way as you do with such contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, instead of passing judgment on one another, the other Christians who, who see things and who have come to slightly different conclusions based on their understanding of Scripture, instead make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother and sister. Going back to the chapter in 1 Corinthians in 8, when Paul basically said, you know, I would be willing to give up my rights just to avoid causing to stumble someone who doesn't recognize the rights that they could have as well. How many of us have approached the dialogues that we've been having lately with that attitude? I am convinced, he says, I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. This goes back to the illustration we just gave a bit ago about my kids and their understanding of what I asked of them. If they believe full-heartedly that I said, you may not leave the house, and they choose, knowing in their hearts... Believing, I should say, believing in their hearts that I said don't do it, they just decide I'm going to do it anyway. They did it wrong. They sinned. If, and we're going to bring this home to land, if you are personally convinced that somehow the liberties that you have in Christ allow you to avoid wearing a mask, and you then push that on someone who is convinced that they are supposed to submit completely to that order since it comes from an authority they have been told to submit to. And you feel like the liberties that you have been, you guys are both fully convinced, and you then convince them to do that which they believe is wrong? What have you just done? I'm not arguing right now which one of you is right. But I am pointing out what Paul said. Paul Paul says, if you push your brother or sister 
if they, even if something is okay, if they're convinced that it's wrong and they do it against their conscience, the act of going against their conscience was wrong. And it's interesting where it talks about, where was it? You don't want to destroy. There you go. It was back in 1 Corinthians 8, 11. So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. And remember, in that particular case, Paul was perfectly clear who was right and who was wrong. Remember, this isn't moral relativism. We're not saying that there is just nobody can know. Something might be right for you and it's wrong for me. It's wrong. Paul is clear. He says there is a right, there is a wrong. But when someone does not understand... Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Someone asked me, what's the difference? Where's the line between humility and being right? And I believe that line is where our values are. Do I value being right more than I value how I affect my brother or sister in Christ? Listen, right now, there are people watching us from home. And there are people in this room. Some of the people watching us from home, they may not have been anywhere since March. Some of you have been to 17 places today. There is a huge difference This is what it says in verse 15 If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat You are no longer acting in love Now, I say that Because I I recognize Some people here, this may be the first time you've been out. Some people at home may have been out and they're just home because it was worked out today. I know that it's not two separate audiences with totally different things, but we have within us a variety of of understandings of what Scripture is. Now, I greatly appreciate that when I come to service today, no matter what, what, what your view is on mask or not to mask, we come... We're respectful of those who have a different opinion. We make sure you can get in the door without touching the doorknob. You can get to your seat without touching anybody. You can sit in your spot, which is going to be a safe social distance from everyone, and you can leave without touching anybody or anything. Now, some of you see your cousins here, and you're all like hugging and high-fiving, and that's you. My endeavor, regardless of where my personal stance is on exactly what is okay, is to behave in a way that will not cause any one of my brothers and sisters who are at different ends of the extremes than I am to feel like they had to leave. I can't go to church. You know, I can't go to church because when I go to church, there's 17 people who stick their hands out and they want to shake my hand. And I don't feel like I should be doing that because that's not keeping the social distance. And that's definitely not six feet, much less that. And, and, and I don't know, not only am I breaking a rule, but also then I've touched like 17 people who have touched 17 people who have touched 17 people. And then and I really don't want to get sick and I don't want my grandmother to get sick and I, she lives with me. And 
So what can I do? I can behave in a way not because of knowledge. I don't, it is not, the, the point isn't whether you are convinced that COVID-19 is indeed the level of threat that the media says it is. The point is, if your brother or sister is distressed because of, here it says what you eat, but let's just insert how you treat them. Let's bring it to our situation today. My social distancing behavior. You are no longer acting in love. Do not let, by your do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Look at this verse, verse 16. Are you ready? Therefore, do not let what you know to be good be spoken of as evil. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. How does that apply to today? I am not against informative uh, discussions, informative Facebook posts, informative... Great! But the way that we share the knowledge that we have needs to be a way that is filled with love. Because if it's just about being right, that knowledge puffs up. And it leads to what we believe to be right being spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. In what way? Verse 18. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. In what way? In the way that does not allow good to be spoken of as evil. In the way that ensures that their brother and sister is not distressed by the way they exercise that which they understand. Look at verse 19. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Some of this stuff I just got to read over and over. It says, let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. As a pastor, I've heard people say they're not coming back until everyone's wearing masks. I've heard people say they're not coming back until no one's wearing masks. I've heard people say that we should have never closed. I've heard people say that we should have never opened. I've heard people say all of this. What does God say? Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of COVID-19. Paul goes on again. All food is clean, 
But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. There he goes again. There is a level of responsibility within my behavior as a Christian for how I entice other brothers and sisters to behave. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Here comes a humdinger of a verse. Verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Can we read that one again? You want anybody want to sell kitchen towels with that written on it? So whatever you believe about these things. Now, this is not an anti-missions verse. This is not telling us not to share the gospel with those who need. Okay? What are these things that it's talking about here? These things are those divisive issues within the church about what we can and cannot do that have got people treating each other with contempt. He says, those things, which things? The little divisive things about what I can and can't do. You should be doing and you shouldn't be doing and you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. I'm not going to go there until you stop doing that. And if you're doing it, those things that you're convinced, those little issues, he says, whatever you believe about those things, keep that between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. This is mask or no mask. This is alcohol or no alcohol. This is cigarettes or no cigarettes. This is Saturday or Sunday. The list goes on and on. But I feel like in the last just Weeks, months, we've been dealing with this. Anybody else agree we've been dealing with this more than usual? We have issues that we've never thought of before. It's almost as if, you know, on the regular issues, the old issues, we've already, you know, picked sides and we're okay with, you know, we figured out who's on our team and we're good. But on some of these new issues, it's like, wait a minute, I thought you were on my team, but now, now, oh, you don't have a mask on. Oh, you have mask. You want to know something? I had a friend tell me someone paid for his grocery bill because he wasn't wearing a mask. It's like, what? And other people are getting thanked for wearing a mask, and I'm just like, man, there's just so much stuff. We're, we're figuring this out. Here's what it says. Blessed is he who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. What does that mean? That goes back to the illustration we gave about the kids. That which is not done from a complete confidence that it's right. If you do something thinking it's wrong, 
believing it's wrong and doing it anyway, you were wrong for doing that. Period. John chapter 13, verse 35, says this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I want to go back to the Scripture, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. He said, now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up and love builds up. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, and they will know that you are my disciples because of the knowledge and information that you have, the flawless doctrine that you have. Jesus said we would be recognized as his disciples by the love we displayed towards each other and towards others. That, that is the badge of a mature Christian. Not what they know, it's how they apply what they know. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, I have a right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have a right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Paul is making a, a very important point. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. That's it. Am I right? You may, look at, you may look at the current political situation. You may, you may look at that and you may say, you know what? I believe that the Scripture applies in such and such a way and I am supposed to obey that order to the T. And you may be on the other side and you look at that and say, you know what? I believe that I have a God-given right to stand up for my rights and my freedoms and, and these laws are contradicting other laws and therefore such and such, blah, blah. You may believe that you can stand there. I'm not here to argue with either of you. I'm here to say that we are to treat each other with love. What does that look like in our church? Listen, I'm so glad you're here, but can I tell you something? If you're here tonight in the midst of all of these, you know, lockdowns and partial releases and re-lockdowns and all of that stuff, that probably means that on the spectrum you're a little over here. I mean, not entirely. I'm not putting you way over there. I'm just little. I want those who are over here to feel good about coming here, even though those of us are here are here. Does that make sense? We want the church to be a place where all of our brothers and sisters feel comfortable coming recognizing that we're not going to walk up to them and make them feel awkward by sticking our hand out and being like, well, if you have faith, to shake my hand. No. If, if what you're doing makes your brother stumble, then what you're doing isn't right. Again, my point isn't to side to make a declaration for where I stand 
in the spectrum, although you might be able to guess. But to say, no matter where we stand, the Bible has a how, how to do that. To me, I think it was, it was a major eye-opener to look at that verse and realize Paul didn't expect all Christians to have the exact same view on every issue. How refreshing is that to realize that I don't have to be in full, complete agreement in order to be a good Christian. But when I'm in disagreement, there is a right and a wrong way to treat those with whom I disagree. In a minute, I want to talk about forgiveness of sin. But right now, I want to talk about this. If you are here today, or you're listening there, and you realize that you have some adjusting to do, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And you can just follow along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wisdom. I ask that you give me that wisdom. I ask that you help me to not be a stumbling block to others. Lord, I pray that my love would be the first thing that people see. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt your sins are forgiven, you are right with God. I want you to raise your hand. Maybe raise both of them. Just wave around. I'm so happy for you. The Bible says know that you are saved. Know that you have salvation. If you don't know, maybe you're the type that's been hoping you'll find out someday. You know what? I sure hope I am. When I die, I find out. No. The Bible says you can know in advance that you are right with God. Romans 10, 9, and 10 tells you how. It says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. You see, the Bible says no one is perfect except Jesus. And that imperfection separates us from God. But Jesus died so that his perfection could be applied to us. If we accept his forgiveness, we're right with God. There's no longer a separation between us and God, and we can have communion with him both here and in eternity. So if you desire to have your sins forgiven, if you're out there somewhere and you want to say this prayer, do it with me. If that's you and you're here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're online, just repeat this prayer with me, and I'll have something for you at the end. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, died for my sin, and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive my sin. I repent, and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.